Okay, she's here. So she sent me a text like, hey, I'm not going to make it. I'm dealing with an issue at the house, and we kind of get these every now and then. She had a water moccasin she was dealing with this morning, so she's a snake wrangler this morning. It's dead. (laughs) Moccasin taken care of. So Natalie, I had to solicit her to help with uh, reading this morning, so it's a family affair. Super proud of her uh, for doing that, stepping up in the absence of the snake (laughs) issues. At the, it's always something when I preach, right? Uh, something's going on. But anyway, guys, my name's Gene Klingbeil. I'm one of the elders here at the Crossing Church. It's so good to uh, be here together, to pray together, to worship together. Uh, I, I really look forward to Sundays. Jonathan Casabon's our lead pastor. He'll be back next week, and so I'm, I'm just filling in today. But I, I really look forward to Sundays because of the worship part. I want to hover on that just for a second. It's so good to worship with, you know, the body of Christ and fellow believers. But worship is not just for us, right? It, it's for God. It really, it makes us feel good, but it's really to bring glory and honor to him. And we should not just do that on Sundays. That should be a daily thing. Our feet, before they hit the ground, our thoughts should be going right to him right away. I know that if my day starts off with me picking up my phone after the alarm, turning that thing off, unless it's 4 a.m., you know, this Florida, whatever they did, uh, this alarm, right, that woke everybody up. I felt like I was at the fire station again. But, uh, you know, when I hit the alarm and turn it off, if I go right to the news, which usually there's nothing good in the news, my day usually is not set on the right path. However, if I open up and I just start thinking of God and go right to Scripture, my day is usually better. So it just sets the tone, and that's what we should do every day. Our first thoughts ought to be in worship to God, who washed over us as we slept. So for our first-time visitors, I see some in the room. Guys, thank you for joining us. I'm so happy that you chose us today. If I didn't get the chance to meet you, I'll I'll get a chance when when we're done here. I'd like to. Uh, We've got a small gift for you in the back. So if you want to grab one of those or someone's going to put one in your hand, it's just got a little bit of information about us, and there's a calendar in there. And just so welcome, guys. And I say it every time I do preach that uh, for those on YouTube tuning in, I know last week we had kind of some Wi-Fi issues. Hopefully that's resolved. It, it is resolved. Okay, a thumbs up. And we're, we are streaming today. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're so glad that you are part of us today. But we, we don't want you to feel disconnected. So if you have any prayer requests, we've got a great group of volunteers and our, our prayer warriors with Doug and Susan and Liz. I see Liz here today and Jerome. Just reach out to any of them. It doesn't have to be a pastor. It could be any one of them and we, or anybody in the church. And we'd just love to partner and pray with you. And with that, I'm going to pray and, and we're going to get going here. So Father God, Lord, we're just so grateful that uh, we have this day where we can just gather together and and break open your word and, and try and see what, what message you want us to hear, to, to take it out, the good news of what you've brought through your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for all these people here today, God. I pray for the people that are traveling, that you watch over them. Uh, just remove me and just speak through me and, and let your message be loud and clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I got to start this off, you know, again, whenever I preach, Something crazy happens, whether it's a snake or there was a time where there was a bat flying around in the sanctuary. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, the snake already happened. So, 
But the very last time I preached, I, I have to hold these up here real quick. Uh, my wife usually sits up here on the front row. She's not killing snakes. And some of you are laughing. You already know what I'm going to say. Uh, she went to the back, and she's in the back, and she's holding up these signs. It says, no hands. Can you all read that? In pockets. Trust me. So couldn't figure out what's going on, right? I'm like, what is she talking about? I'm up here for about 25 minutes preaching, and she's in the back holding these signs up, and she's just shaking her head, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, what? This is not, this is very distracting, right? So after the time of response, I go down, and I sit down, and she comes up to me, and she says, your zipper's down. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, I just totally lost it. I'm like, that's the most embarrassing thing probably that ever happened to me right there. I'm up here for 25 minutes, and yeah, I'm just out there. So, so before I got up here today, I promise you, not only did we do a mic check, we did a wardrobe check. So there are not going to be any wardrobe malfunctions today. I can, I can assure you of that. So with that, we're going to move on to what's important, and that's, that's our scripture today. You saw Natalie read, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 7, guys. And if you have your Bibles, there's Bibles throughout the sanctuary if you don't have one. Or, or grab a phone. Uh, scripture's right there on your phone. We're going to be in verse 1 through 6 today. So one of the most important parts of being a pastor is to make sure that uh, the people of God have a balanced diet. And just like there's, there's five major food groups, guys. And all of them provide sustenance to the body, and they provide their essential for a healthy life. And what's true in regards to the body is also true in regards to the spirit. Jesus said that man will not live on bread alone. So we, we need to make sure that we're getting this balanced diet. And all the pieces of Scripture provide sustenance to the whole. <clears throat> we know the Word of God has different parts. And just like different foods groups, these all provide this sustenance to us. Romans is no different. Paul is spreading this message to different people at different times, dealing with different circumstances. A lot of his letters, if you read scripture, are, are kind of like that. Paul is dealing with different churches and different issues. And we see all of these, though, together provide this sustenance and messaging of what God is trying to convey to his people. Romans builds on itself, like all scripture does, and the message is fluid throughout. Romans is a big, it's, it's what, 16 chapters, but it's an incredibly deep book. If, if you're studying it, hopefully you are. If you're not in a small group, you can reach out to Jonathan. Really want to encourage that because you can miss, we're, we're doing, you know, as we preach, we, we go to our small groups and we get little pieces and we continue the study. So if you're missing that portion, we can, we can send you the questions out and it'll help build upon itself so you don't, you don't miss anything from one sermon to the next. We, we back in November, the pastors get together and we, we kind of pray over what messaging. And this one was one that we really kind of looked at for quite a while was Romans because of how deep this, real, this book really is. So, but it's, so what's important here is we go through it, we kind of do, do a pause and we do a recap of where we have been. And we're gonna, I'm going to take a few minutes to do that to show from 3, 4, 5, and 6 the messaging of what God was trying to convey to us or what, you know, the sermons, we've seen the sermons throughout. So in chapter 3, what we see is the, kind of the central theme there is righteousness through faith. 
So the logic of Romans, and in particularly chapter 3, does not really build on the premise of God's love, but God's righteousness. Um, God's righteousness comes through faith to all who believe in Christ. And we're going to see, I'm going to read Romans 3, I'm going to take little bits and pieces of each chapter, and we're going to go back, because you'll see as we go through it, it builds up to this message in chapter 7. So in 3, I apologize too, there's no slide. Uh, that's my fault. I didn't get done with the sermon until late last night, um, but we've got scripture right in front of us. So anyway, Romans 3. So verse 21, it says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So here it's talking about righteousness through faith, and he starts to you know, talk about the law here, and this is the Mosaic law he's talking about. And chapter 4 shows that the Old Testament righteousness was not about hard work and the New Testament righteousness about free grace. It's missing the point a little bit there. It's, it's, if we know that God, you know, God never changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Salvation never changed. Although it may look a little different between the Old and New Testament, how to get right with God was always the same. <clears throat> Only by faith, not works of the law. That's why Paul in chapter 4 uses Abraham as an example. Abraham lived before the law was given to the nation of Israel. And because, so justification existed before the law and was never intended to be earned through good works of faith or good lawful deeds. If we read Romans 4, verse 13 and 16, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but but where there is no law, there is no transgression. So here he's building up again. He's talking about the law some here. Romans 5, we see justification through faith. We have this new life. We see how Jesus died for everybody. He died for the ungodly. Paul talks about the death in Adam here in in chapter uh, 5. Adam who brought sin into the world, but we have life in Christ. In Romans 5, verse 20, we see, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, Grace abound all the more. Here, Paul is using some negative language in reference to the law. And that probably was challenging for him. Because if we remember, Paul was a Jew. He was a stout Jew. And he's preaching and teaching primarily, I think, to Jewish people here. But he's also talking to Gentiles. And the Gentiles, they didn't have scripture. All they had was the law at the time. And he's using this context of a negative way to describe this so and it's again it's building up it's fluid throughout scripture just just stay with me here so here in chapter six we are we are dead to sin guys and alive in god jonathan preached about this last week paul says we are to cast out our old lies and turn from our sin and die to it so we can live in christ romans 6 15 and 16 specifically talks here What then are we to sin, because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. 
Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? It's either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. So here, Paul, is that's pretty strong language. He's saying there's no middle ground. You're either slaves, and that word slaves, that's, that's, that's a tough word. Um, you're either slaves to sin or you're obedient to God. That's what he's laying the, fr- the framework and the foundation here. All right, so moving into chapter 7, moving into what she read this morning. Did a much better job than probably I'm going to do, but anyway. Uh, so I want to read again 7, 1 through 6, after we did this recap, so we can just kind of focus on these six scriptures here. All right? So, or, or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you, have, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. So here, Again, Romans 7 is connected back all the way through Scripture here in Romans. Paul is building this narrative. Looking over those verses, I think Romans 7 really is trying to capture everything that uh, Romans is dealing with here. It is a a difficult thing to really kind of grasp and understand when you just read it without taking the other chapters into context here. I, I really had to really study, which you usually have to do anyway, uh, when you preach. But I was really confused. What, what is Paul trying to say? What is the Holy Spirit trying to say? What message are we trying to gather from this? I know there's something, and it took a lot of prayer and a lot of study to, to get that. Paul clearly is using an illustration here, right, of marriage, and, and to get his point across. And any illustration um, in its very nature has some limitations. If it's pressed too far, it can be confusing at times. But illustrations are tremendously valuable and, and to us. Under the inspiration of God, it can kind of peer back, and we can see the message of what God is trying to convey to his people. <clears throat> so, And Jesus did it all the time, right? In the parables, he would use these illustrations to convey a message to his people. And looking at these verses, uh, I, 7 verse 1 I'm going to read that again. I'll I'll kind of go back and forth here. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person as long as he lives. So here Paul is saying for the purpose of this illustration is to think about your relationship. So put yourself in in the context of this as if the law is a person, that you're married to the law. You're married to a person. And with that in mind, for the illustration purposes, 
um, is he's using it as he's saying you are bound to this person. I want to give, for our purposes, I want to give that person a name. So it will help us frame it in the context of what he's trying to convey here. So that name I'm going to give is Nomos. Now, some of you may have heard that. That's kind of a weird, funky name. Uh, but I just used the word funky. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, um, nomos is, is literally translated from the Greek to mean law. So, but I want to use that word nomos as we go through this. Is that's who we are married to. <clears throat> All right. So what does this marriage to nomos look like? He, he frames it here. The law makes demands always on us. The law is never satisfied. No matter how hard you try, no, no matter whether you're at your best or not, and you think you have it all right, the law demands more from you. It is never satisfied. It is never pleased with you, no matter what you can do. Your spouse, you, you think about that, your spouse is supposed to be someone that loves you unconditionally, no matter what, no matter your shortcomings, no matter how many things we have going on or, or get right or get wrong, our spouse is to love us no matter what. Nomos, though, nomos makes constant demand and always expects more from you. <clears throat> so they are never satisfied. Paul says we are bound to the law. And if you look at the word bound there in the Greek, it literally means dominion over you. That, that's a hard word for us to hear as, as you know, people that are free is this person, nomos, has dominion, total control over you, that they are always pressing down on you, and no matter what, you can never satisfy them. If we look at nomos in this relationship that we have, it's really an abusive relationship. Some of you may have read uh, Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Um, I want to tell this, this little story here from, from this literary work. It really is, it's an allegory of the Christian life. It's an, it's an old literary piece from the 1600s, but it, I encourage you to read it. It's really kind of neat reading. And I'm going to take a little piece of an excerpt out of this. So it's really about a story of a, of a boy or a man named Christian. And as he is going through his walk, his Christian walk, we, we see that he comes up and meets different people just like we, we are going through our Christian walk. He currently lives in the city of destruction, which is earth, and goes and he's going to different places, different cities, and meeting different people. And he's trying to get what's called the celestial city, which is heaven, uh, for the purposes of the book. Well, along his way, he comes up to a man named Faithful. And Faithful and Christian, as they do, as often happens, when two Christians get together, they start talking about, their Christian walk and their faith and the trials and tribulations that they've come across so that we can learn from each other. And Faithful said, I want to tell you a story about my, my walk. And he said, I, I left the city of destruction, and as I was going along, I came to the city of deceit. And in this city, I met a man named Adam the first. And Adam came to him and said, you know, Faithful, if you will stay with me and you will work for me, then I will give you all the riches in my kingdom. And he also said, I have three daughters. You can, and they're beautiful girls, beautiful daughters. He said, you can, if you stay and work for me, you can pick any one 
of my daughters. Now, Faithful's like, this sounds like a pretty good deal. And he said, my first inclination was to take Adam up on his offer. But then he came to his senses and he realized, he said, you know, Adam really is just trying to make me a slave, his slave. And he said, you know, he turned to Adam and he said, you know, I have to decline. I have to continue my walk towards the celestial city. And Adam became irate and he said, you know, I'm gonna, if you leave, I'm going to send somebody after you. Well, he said, I have to continue my journey. So he left, faithful left. And as he's walking, he turns around and he sees this other man just running up to him. And he comes up to him and he just hits him in the stomach as hard as he can. And it, Faithful bends over and he's trying to get, grasp his breath. And he's like, well, why did you do that? And he said, because your first inclination was to stay with Adam. And so then he hits him again. And now he's on the ground and he's really in trouble here. He's like, man, I, I thought my life was over. He's telling this to Christian. And he said, with that, he was, he was like, please have mercy on me. And then the, the, Adam, or the man that came after him said, the law knows no mercy, as he was beating him. Well, with that, he's like, I'm, I'm done for. The weight of this is too much. I can't get out from under this. And then he saw a second man come up. And the second man said, stop. And with that, he stopped. So then Christian said, do you know who the second man was? And he said, yes. He said, I didn't at first, but then as he passed by, I could see the scars in his hands and his feet. And he said, do you know who the first man was? And he said, yes. That man was Moses. You see, I tell that story, guys, because we can all relate to that. That without the man with the scars and his hands and his feet, we are still bound to nomos, bound to this relationship that just is relentless in the way it expects from us. So we can all relate to that. I've got to get my notes here, right? Sorry. Um, the inclination to sin, guys, is, with, is within all of us. God's grace, we say no to that first inclination, like faithful did. But then it's not long when the law comes and sneaks up on us. The law can always beat on us. It, it's, if it's not for the man with the scars in his hands and his feet, we would all certainly be left for dead. All right, coming back to our text, the person that is bound to the law and what Paul says is married to Nomos is not only in a desperate place, but he's also in an unhappy place. Again, to be married to Nomos is, like I said, someone who makes constant demands and is never pleased. And looking at Paul's illustration here, if you were married to Nomos, you could never be at peace. You would never be at rest. How long are we bound to this? How long are we bound to Nomos? How long does this marriage last? If we look back at verse 1, he gives us that. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. The law is bound, binding on us only as long as we live. This marriage to Nomos is until death do us part. There's no getting out of it. Bound to the requirements, bound to the penalties. You cannot divorce Nomos. Paul says the only way is to die. Remember, Nomos will never die. We are bound to this marriage unless we die. 
Remember when I said chapter 7 is it's a challenging chapter. It's a challenging couple of verses here. What message is Paul trying to say to us? What is the Holy Spirit trying to convey to us? This is now we're going to come to the most beautiful part of this. If we look at it phrase by phrase, verse 4 through 6, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. The likewise part here, guys, is where he is applying what we have learned. It's a remarkable statement here, considering that first few verses of what we read, being married to nomos and what that looks like. Remember, the law never dies. God's commandments live forever. The reason we are free is that we have also died. How do we die? He gives us the how. He says it right there through the body of Christ. We come to this truth that we are made one with him in his death, that at the, in his resurrection as well. He also says in Galatians, and there's many different parts of Scripture in Timothy, in Galatians, in Colossians, where Paul says we are crucified, or he was crucified with him, and we are to just turn away from our old sinful lives. Romans 6 spells this out that we died in regards to our sin. No longer married to nomos, guys. No longer slaves for sin that have, for those that have faith in Jesus. Remember the story that if it wasn't for the man with the scars on his hands and his feet, we would all be still bound to nomos. Look what happens here in verse 5 through 6. What does this new life look like? For while we were living in flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. <clears throat> Paul shows us what this looks like. There is purpose in this new life. We are brought into this new wonderful union, married to him that freed us from bondage. We are to do what? Bear fruit for God. We are in this new relationship with Christ as he delivered us from bondage, and we need to spread this wonderful news of hope and goodwill. Brothers and sisters, Paul says we are to serve in this new way of the Spirit. Remember six, chapter 6. It's either we are obedient to him or we're slaves to sin. There's no middle ground. It's one or the other. And God released us from the bondage of sin, from the weight of the law. There's freedom in that. We are to share this good news and bear fruit for him. Imagine that marriage, what that looks like, that marriage and how difficult that would be and challenging to just constantly feel like you don't measure up. But we're all free from sin. And we have just one 
safe to bank. And that's the man with the hand, with scars on his hands and his feet.